Welcome to the Algorithmic Advantage. We're here to expand the toolkit of the quant trading community and introduce investors to the many advantages of systematic trading. Our goal is to educate and inspire as we embark on a captivating journey into the vast knowledge and experience of leading portfolio managers and other experts in the field. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please subscribe, leave us a review, or even buy us a coffee via the link on the algorithmicadvantage.com. We really appreciate it. Well, good day from Australia, everyone. It's Simon and Richard back again for the Algorithmic Advantage podcast. Simon um, announced uh, with an introduction in the last podcast about what, what the process we're going to be involved in over the numerous podcasts coming. And in this um, sequence of podcasts gives an opportunity for me to interview Simon and for Simon to interview me before we get into the serious part of interviewing our guests. So in this podcast, we're going to learn a bit about Simon. So Simon, welcome. Great to be here. How are things? Thanks, Rich. I'm doing well. Looking forward to it. We've had a few technical issues today, but uh, pushing pushing ahead as uh, amateur podcasters, loving it. Lovely, Simon. All right, so do you mind if we get straight into it? That's the best way. Let's do it. All right. We've got a lot to cover, so we're going to try and keep this in, uh, you know, within a sort of an hour or so and uh, see how we go. So let, let's start introducing with a bit of a background. So, Simon, can you give me a couple of minutes on your background and what got you into trading and anything in particular that has really helped you develop your skills in the market and who or what has been the biggest influence on your trading and investing style? Sure thing, Rich. Um, so my uh, brief bio is that I studied economics and finance at university. Um, at the time, I did quite enjoy that, but I wasn't exactly sure which way I was going to take it, what kind of career path I was interested in necessarily. Um, when I finished uni, I did the gap year thing and being a slow learner, it took me two years. Um, I put a backpack on, spent all my money on a, on a video camera, which back then was extremely expensive for a little digital. They were the first digital cameras. <laughs> and um, uh, so I worked my way around Europe and I did summer in the Greek islands and winter snowboarding in Austria um, <clears throat> and so on and so forth until I ran out of money, ended up in London as many Aussies do. And um, having my degree and, and I'd worked in a bank while I was studying, I had a little bit of experience and I got lucky to, to get a job in London on a very large trading floor just as an assistant. But um, of course there was the wow factor of the, the size of the floor and the people in there and what was going on. And it was, um, I just absolutely loved it. I fell in love straight away. Uh, so I talked to a lot of smart people in there, obviously, and um, uh, garnered as much advice as I could as to you know how I should progress in this um, in this field and and particularly in and around the trading. But I thought the first thing and best thing to do was to really um, upskill, and I'd learned from the risk management side of things there that those guys really knew. The, the, they knew the math, they knew exactly how products worked, how they were priced, 
um, they they knew a lot more detail than than sort of the traders, you could say. So I that quite interested me, and um, I ended up coming back to Australia, moving to Sydney, and got lucky to get a job in risk management at the Sydney Futures Exchange. Um, now I got there just moments too late. I think it was sort of months after they. It was about months after they closed the. The, the pit, the trading floor, the open outcry trading system that they had prior to going electronic, which yep. um, Australia did long before the US, in fact. Um, so the paper and mess was still all over the trading floor and it was a great sight to behold. My boss, of course, was off the, off the floor and he knew the whole uh, sign language. The blood was still on the floor. The blood was still on the floor. There was dead bodies strewn around. <laughs> it was a, it was it was an it was really cool. It was sad that I missed that um, that era, but it it does speak to the fact that I was of that era that that straight away began in the electronic trading space, so to speak. And 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 there was the old guard was was changing. You either moved and adapted or or died at that point. Um, so you're beyond the Gordon Gecko era. In the yes, quant era. that's right. Moving into the new era, and of course, we were, uh, especially being in ri risk and in futures, um, the likes of Nick Leeson and and so on were all that. Those stories were all fresh in our memories as well, and our training ground, but a source of endless fascination, of course. Um, so. I really learned a lot there about exactly how the markets work and, and how instruments are priced and what the risks are and margins and 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 that the industry as a whole because we're dealing with regulatory issues where we're bringing new products to market in the marketplace we need to have discussions with the regulators with with banks who would act as market makers make sure we weren't in, uh, bringing in systemic risk into the marketplace um, and we engaged a lot with the other futures exchanges around the world and, and did similar projects with them. So, yeah, it was really uh, that that gave me a big, um, a really big, uh, I guess, step up in terms of how I thought about trading. And it influenced me a lot because, um, you know, unlike a lot of, say, retail traders, I had risk management uh, at the forefront of my mind from the beginning. And, and I knew that it was a dangerous game. Um, but I was still very excited about it. So from there, my career, for the most part, remained in investment banking, uh, stayed in risk management for a while before ultimately doing um, uh, many um, contract and consulting roles where I would usually sit between the traders, trading floor on one side and technology on the other uh, and be building software that integrated those two helped the trading floor, whether or there was new regulation that needed to be adhered to or um, new systems required or trading strategies. Um, so between the risk and the technology and the business side, I kind of sat in the middle, um, which I really thought was a good place to be to, to Again, as a, as a background to getting more into the technology side, I could see how te how technology driven these things were. So I also did a number of entrepreneurial things. I I didn't quite just I didn't quite fit the um, the corporate mould in some ways. I still liked travelling. I still liked running away from time to time. Uh, I spent 
a year in Spain and I traded futures full time while I was there for myself and really started to learn how um, the, the different styles of trading, whether the one was shorter term, longer term, futures, options, stocks and so on. Uh, and I did some entrepreneurial things as well, started a health business um, and I really, really enjoyed that. So long story short, um, that kind of very diverse background, the entrepreneurial gene, the fascination with the strategy and the trading and the technology all just came together and fit perfectly. So when I, um, although I was trading all through that period because I'd been interested in it and just um, trading small amounts here and there uh, along the way, um, by the time I got into systematic and quantitative trading, um, the stars all aligned for me and I was very happy with that and um, have not done nothing since, nothing but that since and um, and so my sort of world operates or revolves around either my own trading now or um, still continuing to do some uh, consulting or helping others in the industry, worked for funds around the place and um, and also delivering some software that, that we gotcha. create as well. Well, you, you've dived into a very deep pool and you've had a lot of exposure, sort of a multidisciplinary exposure, which is fantastic. So I can, I can see where you're coming from. So obviously sort of that multidisciplinary approach, looking at things from all <clears> different <throat> angles, from risk, from different strategies, systems, methods, all of these things, that's obviously shaped your philosophical way of thinking. So let's get on to that and talk about the, the, the broader philosophy behind your trading. And so how would you describe your trading philosophy and why do you think you can beat the markets? Um, so definitely being quantitative now, being systematic, first and foremost, um, that is my, my overarching philosophy in the markets, if you like, if you can say it that way. So I say that because I feel like if I'm taking a scientific and statistical approach, then um, it's the it's the right way to do it. And and so long as I am taking a scientific approach, then I'll, I'm open to to various avenues and various trading styles and strategies and timeframes if I if I think that it if it, it that it checks out. Um, so my philosophy in that sense then is that I'm, I'm a little bit of a um, jack of all trades, master of none perhaps, where I, I like <laughs> not necessarily being just a trend follower as I know that you are, uh, not necessarily just a day trader or, or this or that, but, but just overall a system trader. And, um, and I trade a, a, a range of different styles, different strategies, different time frames, and I try to take the diversification um, about as far as I can take it. So across all of those things, across different strategies and time frames. And um, one thing that I've, I'm yet to do, so next steps would be to diversify even into different markets and, and contracts. So at the moment, I'm primarily focused in on equities, and that's US equities. Um, and you know, I'd like to soon broaden that into into futures and 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 other um, other um, jurisdictions as well. So Australia, for you, example. You remind me a lot of Nick Radge. Um, he's got a very broad approach to trading a lot of different system styles. Um, isn't isn't particularly one hundred percent focused on any one style. 
but diversified in his approach to many different styles. So I see a lot of similarities there for you. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess we all know Nick in, around this area. So he has been, um, you know, I've sort of seen from a distance what uh, he's done here and there. And that's probably had some influence, although um, my primary influence has come from a mentor, having a trading mentor that trades in a similar fashion to the way that I do, uh, runs a fund and and um, has a lot of experience in the markets and technology and um, you know I do I do think that's been a, a huge leg up and I encourage everyone to find um, mentorships or, or help in whatever way they can to sort of fast track their journey if you like. Yeah, I, I know mentors are incredibly important for me. Um, mm. I know that um, you know we get focused on a particular area of research and we're investigating it thoroughly. But it's great to have uh, you know a mentor sitting to the side who we can bounce ideas off and uh, see if we're on the right path and see what they've experienced as we've gone down similar paths. You know those sort of things. So well, absolutely, and that mentorship. Yeah, because that plays into another part of the philosophy, really, which is that whilst. Um, whilst I, I do like being systematic and quantitative about things, there really is a human element to all of this. Um, I do think that it takes a certain kind of person to make this work. So, I mean, I think anyone can do it, but you've got to be willing to put the work in to, to build up those um, skills and even personality types that, or traits that, that uh, will help you succeed. So I think there's a real art plus science thing going on with trading. Um, because no matter how rigorous your mathematics, there's so many decisions that are made by the individual, right? So there's the, you, you're yeah. deciding which systems you're going to trade, how you're going to test them, how you're going to build them, which markets you're going to deploy them on, whether it's for your retirement account or a growth account, and um, you know whether you're in Australia or the US, you might have access to different markets, that kind of thing. So gotcha. I do feel like um, one has to balance the the, the pure tech and coding side of this with a that sort of commercial side of things where you you need to develop some intuition around what makes sense because when we're starting out obviously um, it's all it's all roses and we've got a very blue sky approach but um, you know the school of hard knocks teaches us that um, yeah, we t we we're subject to the same human biases as everyone else. Even though we're taking a quantitative approach, we might be taking the wrong one, and yeah. um, or we might spend too much time on the wrong thing, or um, you know, we might we might build a great system and then turn it off, and we shouldn't have. So we we're still able to make these decisions, and there's a there's a training ground I think there as well. Perfect. So in a nutshell, a broad diversification of approach not a one-trick pony, lots of different um, opportunities in the market, empirically based, science drives you, um, huge learning environment, mentors very important. That, that's your broad philosophy. Mm -hmm. So let, let's now start looking, uh, let's bring this down now to practical application. So what kinds of trading strategies do you employ and what's your specific objective? So you know, what are the markets and timeframes you trade with? How automated are you? What instruments do you trade? And how do you manage risk? All of those practical outcomes of that philosophy. The more practical stuff. So um, as I mentioned, I do primarily trade the US equities markets at the moment. 
Um, and I do think that despite the fact that that's a homogeneous group in some respects, that you can extract many different kinds of alpha out of trading a broad range of liquid US stocks. Um, whilst, you know, correlations can tend to go to one at the worst time and, and the, this kind of issue, on a day-to-day -day basis, obviously, the, the, the stocks don't all go up and down at the same time. So there's quite a, that quite a few thousand instruments um, all trading there. So that's a lot of data for, that can be used for backtesting and, and validation, which, which I also like. So used the right way, um, you know, one can also use Aussie data and European data and US data. So you can bring together a lot of instruments with a lot of data um, to to do testing that's more and more um, you know, not fit and and um, uh, applicable to sort of broad um, broad approach across you know instruments. So um, in terms of the strategies that I trade, as I mentioned, I trade a little bit of um, well, I guess I, I sort of basket things into mean reversion and trend following if you like and then longer and shorter terms so I do a little bit of all of those four quadrants if you like um, the more interesting thing of course to to talk about because there's a lot um, that is uh, is talked about on the trend following side is the mean reversion um, it's the it's it's the more fun bit people um, are attracted to the mean reversion uh, profile if you like because it's a high frequency trading strategy in as compared to um, some longer term strategies obviously not not uh, in an intraday basis and you generate a lot of trades so you got a lot of sample size you've got a lot to to, to test on and um, and you can really benefit from the compounding of those those um, returns of course the downside of mean reversion as we all know is that they are subject to to negative skew and you have to invest a significant amount of time in making these strategies profitable over the longer term um, if you want to avoid some of that extreme tail risk because mean reversion is a, a bit of a catch a falling knife uh, strategy where you can really give back all your gains overnight uh, if you're not trading at the the right way. So in terms of the risk management for that, um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, on the on the stock side of things, I like to trade a good balance of, of long and short systems, so that um, I'm trying to always be in the market with some longs and some shorts, so that if there is a sell-off, um, the the short positions will act as as something of a hedge. Yeah. Um, but secondly, and really important, is um, I think you need a broad range of systems. You need to be diversifying over a broad range of parameter sets so that you can be in a position where you're constantly averaging in and averaging out of the market. So really the key is you don't want to expose too much capital at once. Um, you know, sell-offs can occur very quickly and make you insolvent very quickly in this kind of approach. So you've the, the, the answer has to be that you... Um, you really want to slice and dice things down to, um, minimum you know, impact. to very yeah the minimum amount of exposure that you can at any one time, and that you're really diversifying even within the mean reversion uh, side of things, so that you're you're really not exposing all of your 
hard-earned capital all at once. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, would, any would other part... Would you say 100% automated? Are you discretionary and automated, or how would you class yourself? Yeah, so once the, once the systems are designed, everything's 100% automated. So we've got our own uh, auto management system built in Python that will um, handle all of the connectivity to the broker, handle all of the trades, the position sizing, the reporting, um, and uh, reconciliation and so on helps with the, the monitoring and the risk as well. So if I need to be, if I'll get an email if something's gone wrong, for example. Um, so that's, that's really valuable. It's an advantage of the systematic trading because it frees me up to, um, to, to do more research really because I'm not yeah. operationally involved on a day-to-day -day basis with that. And, and would you say your approach um, is seeking absolute returns are you, or are you trying to um, approach the returns of a benchmark? How would you classify your, your style? Yeah, definitely an absolute returns person. I mean, that's really goes back to the, um, my background in and around the industry, looking at, at other managers around the place and just being completely unsatisfied. Yeah. Um, being frustrated with the the um, the way that they approach things, but also the the motivations are different. It's a very large fund. The portfolio manager's on a very large salary that he gets to keep, even if the the fund goes horribly wrong. Uh, he may not even be invested in his own um, portfolio. Uh, and of course, there's then a. Um, uh, definitely a bias toward hiding with your peers and uh, and comparing yourself to your peers so I do I just thought uh, from the outset that I wanted to do it myself and as you've said validate it myself and um, you know I guess you have to have a you have to have something inside you that says well you can do better, right? You can. Yeah, yeah. You're sure there's a better way, so you get about doing it yourself, and then it's just hard work and put the hard yards in and um, and go from there. Yeah. Okay. So let's now move on to the, some fun stuff. Let's talk about uh, strategy ideation or strategy creation, and also the balance we need to meet um, in terms of robustness. So, you know, where do you begin with strategy creation? Um, What's your approach and do you have a defined approach? And then how do you avoid curve fitting and over-optimization? Because as systematic traders, that's one of our big fears is uh, propensity uh, in too much reliance on, on data where we can over-optimize our models. So how do you make sure a strategy is robust enough to handle the future, which is uncertain? So I think that um, in terms of both strategy creation and it helps with um, with n with not over optimizing. Is I don't have an approach of uh, letting a machine learning approach just run over data and, and find solutions for me. So gotcha. I start with an idea that I think has merit. Maybe it's got academic research backing it, or maybe I've seen uh, discretionary traders successful with it, or I've had some success with it in a in a discretionary environment. And then I use the data to validate the idea. Um, so, so I use the first before you allow the machines to take over and yes, test it. Absolutely, and I, I think so. Given my, you know, skill level, if you like, I have to do it that way. Like there's really just 
um, there's just not enough data in the stock markets and not enough, I guess, smarts within any AI or ML approach to to really make statistically valid um, you know searches doing you know one pass sweep of the data and hey look I, I found a pattern um, you know to to really qualify for a big data or a, you know purely statistical approach I, I think you need an enormous amount of data so we do we do really focus on um, as much getting as much data as possible as I said we could use data from around the globe also with shorter time frame trades then there's a lot more uh, trades in the in the sample size um, but if you're relying on on just that alone I think it can fool you in a, in a thousand different ways so yeah um, you have to well you, you could do it that way if you were smart enough um, but the reason why I take the approach that I do is to really force myself not to curve fit if you like so you, there's yeah. some some hard boundaries up against which I, I just don't want to really peek over and get tempted by um, and it, because having done that kind of thing in the past I know that it um, it tends to um, it tends to mislead so I guess I, I start with often start with you know some of the academic side so the the whole field of behavioral finance for example now speaks to the the human biases that are that are within people and i think that drives a lot of the um the trading on both ends of the spectrum on the long-term herd mentality crowd following uh behavior that leads to long-term trends and then in the short term the overreactions and uh, fear and greed, uh, knee-jerk reactions that you, that lead to to mean reversion in a much shorter time frame. So, I try to um, I try to capitalise on on both of those, if you like. But um, I'm with you. So you're yeah. treating this like a science experiment, where first you say, "What is the edge that I'm seeking?" You look at the research papers. You say, "All right, behavioural finance is an opportunity where I think an edge lies." So once you've scoped that out in your in your mind and through your research, you then um, design the rules regarding that hypothesis you have, and then mm -hmm. that's when you let the machines take over to validate or test that hypothesis. You're not allowing the the machines to preempt and do all of the hard research first um, without you being in control of it. Is that how you see it? That's right. Yeah, I'm too much of a control freak. So. <laughs> <laughs> So um, yeah, that's just that's my that's my safety precaution. So that way I get to build things up from a risk management perspective, from a logical perspective, from a um, a, a scientific and academic perspective, if you like. Yeah. And then I'm overlaying all of the advantages that having data and 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 having the back testing um, software and so on, all of the advantages that can that can bring us essentially. Um, okay. And I and I do think so. It's it's like it is trying to bring a very um, systematic approach to the testing as well, so that it's like these are the rules that we follow, uh, and therefore um, you know we are doing something repeatable, and we can we can try it again the next day on 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 another idea or or whatever. So yeah. it's not always easy to 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 be. Um, like I know you have a very systematic uh, process to in how you review the strategies and update them and so on, um, but 
the more I guess the more you do it too then the more you develop you do develop a few tips and tricks and that's where I think the art comes in a little bit okay so listen uh, now that we're getting on to the topic of edge and how you um, define an edge before you explicitly test whether that edge is valid let's talk about edge and can you comment on what you think your particular edge is with your process um, so I think that being systematic is an edge in itself. I think that the that many uh, newer traders could probably um, get consistently profitable quicker that path than any other path if if done right, especially with the right with the right mentor. Um, and um, I think the other there's a there's just talking about the art and the science too. I think this is a big um, a big advantage if you like I, I see it as an advantage that that diverse background that I've had and that entrepreneurial side meets you know technical and, and, and rigorous kind of sciencey side um, allows a certain um, I guess productivity to the to the to the process so that you know I'm not um, I am less inclined to to chase uh, the wrong thing or spend time on the wrong wrong piece of uh, research because I'm thinking commercially. I'm thinking about you know where my time gets spent. Um, the other um, the other part of the edge I think in in being just systematic is that one becomes an expert more in systems than in any one particular trading style. So you can you can really master many styles and um, and that's 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 very advantage advantageous it brings in a whole new level of um of portfolio optimization that you can do you can you can mix two strategies that make um 10 percent each and rather than get 20 percent you can get 25 percent if you if you look at the mathematics of it so there's some um just a whole extra layer of things that that can go on but um Apart from that, I do tend to try and focus on strategies that don't necessarily appeal to the biggest end of town, the, the guys trading many, many, many millions. Um, I try to find things that, are, that might swim against the tide a little bit or that play into the, the background knowledge that I have around just how the markets work and, and the infrastructure within the markets. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's a there's just a overall it's about having that blended approach, which which is also part and parcel with staying you know healthy and happy and mindful in general, and um, you know improving yourself and constantly um, seeking to to learn to develop, and you because know, you've, you've got to be quite disciplined to 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 exploit the the systematic trading edge. It's it's, it's a discipline. It's it it doesn't doesn't mean that just because you're systematic you're not going to be so undisciplined about it that you that you waste it so to speak so yeah um yeah it takes a lot of it takes a lot of uh hard work and i think that being in some sense commercial about it you've got to think about it as a business um then you know you're going to plan for it properly and you you're going to study for it properly as well gotcha Look, I know that um, in future podcasts, we're going to be going into instructional videos about how to specifically apply some of these principles we discuss here. But um, I know that a lot of listeners are eager to get down to the, the nitty gritty, the practical. So uh, 
let's look at, at one of your, your favorite strategies, mean reversion, for example. Can we dive a little deeper into this strategy and can you give some insights into controlling risk in mean reversion? Um, how do you measure performance? What are you looking for for a good mean reverting strategy? Do you build strategies for specific regimes or that are applicable to all markets? You know, what are some of the specific techniques and risk management methods? Sure, Rich. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, obviously the performance profile of mean reversion is something that a lot of traders are looking for, right? They, they like the high win rates. There's plenty of trades. You can generate a smoother equity curve. Um, and, um, and, and the research does tend to suggest that in the shorter time frames, mean reversion is is um, dominant just like in the longer time frames trend following is um, and so if we're doing that short-term trading we can really compound returns uh, and that's that's very appealing so the I guess some of the specifics um, like I said really the first part in, in in even entertaining the idea of trading this way is you've got to have a risk management up approach um, <clears throat> mean reversion subject to the, that negative skew, those fat tails, where you can have those big givebacks. So if you, you at, at least as a starting point, you've got to look back over all of the, um, you know, the big sell-offs and flash crashes or bear markets or, or other um, stress test events in the markets over history. And you've got to look at how those strategies perform over that time before you do any curve fitting to avoid them you've got to know what that looks like and um, so the you know the key is to really be prepared for anything like that but then even anything beyond that so it's, it's all about the unknown unknowns really um, so uh, how sh what shall I what shall I say so the um, the way that I approach that, as I said, is I think I might have mentioned the long short and, and the application of lots of parameter variations and lots of yeah, strategies working together to, to just um, carve out little bits of that um, in, 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 in a various, in, with diverse sort of entries and exits, I guess, buying in and selling out at, at, uh, at different times. Uh, and so kind of internally diversifying within mean reversion. Okay. And uh, regarding the, the, the sort of regime approach um, or the regime thinking, um, indeed, short mean reversion does tend to work well in both bull and bear markets. Long mean reversion is, is potentially subject to, um, you know, big sell-offs in, in bear markets. So um, I do tend to be very mindful of, uh, so yes, this, the strategies are assessing on a daily basis the, the kind of market that we're in, the kind of um, volatility that's going on, and we are dynamically sizing positions or, or even really reducing risk or trading less or trading more, depending on the, the kind of conditions that we think, whether it's uh, appropriate or not. Um, so you're getting all of this information in consistently, incrementally, and you're iteratively solving for that additional information as you go along step by step. 
yes, and not to, not that it's overly complicated necessarily, but there are there are conditions that clearly, you know, where things could get worse, and uh, and, and and we'll just lighten up at the the first hint of that. So, um, okay. you know, we we don't want to. Um, we don't want to sort of flirt with any danger, but we're we're really, for as for the most part, as much as we can, we want to really be running that all weather portfolio where everything is low risk enough that it can more or less survive anything. I think that's the ultimate yeah. safety valve, <clears throat> and um, and and then you've got to sort of uh, maximise your returns in all the other all the other ways and be creative about that and really utilize your capital properly um nice. so yeah, yeah. The, uh, the 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 risk management is the framework in terms of the, the mean reversion itself i mean there's many just all the the classic ways to to measure it I, as i mentioned with trend i mean i even bring trend into my mean reversion strategies to try and trade stocks that are in themselves strong uh good well-performing stocks um I always love to hear that word trend, but keep going. Yes, yes. <laughs> the rest, <laughs> we're not going to make you really that happy in this interview, Rich. We're just laying the foundation <laughs> for plenty of future arguments to come. Um, exactly. And but you know that's what that's what makes it fun. So, um, so what else can I say? I know something. You, I know something you strongly agree with me on, and this is this importance of systematic trading. So. Let's get into that. Let's get on to something that we can, can fully, mm -hmm. heartfully agree on. How yeah. do we educate investors about systematic trading? So if you were talking to an investor who didn't allocate any of their portfolio to say quantitative strategies, uh, where would you suggest it could fit in their broader portfolio? So, uh, you know, what amount to allocate as a percent? Things to look for. What, what should investors be asking that manager? Um, versus you know, other stock and commodity trading styles such as value investing. So basically, how, how to convince investors that this style of investing holds merit? Yeah, and, and it's a subject near to my heart, especially in Australia, where I think the, the level of understanding uh, around the kind of trading that we do is, is a lot uh, lower. So I think education is the key. I think most of those investors out there would have no idea that the most successful hedge funds of all time have been quantitative funds. And of course, you think of Jim Simon's Renaissance Fund earning 66% per annum until it got so big that um, you know they, they had to shut it down to new investors. I, actually, I recently read the book uh, written about uh, Jim Simon's, which was quite a good read. That was a Zuckerman uh, book? Uh, it was, right, I think, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's education. I think that um, I think that there's probably a little bit of hesitation there because of uh, yeah, really, really that that people like to use big words and, um, and 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 they think they're they're sounding smart if they confuse people with the the tech side of uh, of quantitative trading, and then people assume perhaps that it's a bit of a black box and and they don't really know what's going on in there but I think I think of, of of regular funds as more of a black box like with with my trading you know exactly what you're going to get here are the rules they're written on the pack you're going to get what's in the you know it's going to yeah 
What am I trying to say? It does what it says on the package. It's fully transparent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it really is clear. And then you know that those rules are the rules that are going to be adhered to, and they're the rules that have uh, been back tested on, and you can view the back test results. When, uh, if I was giving my money to to another fund manager, and look, I've got a deep respect for any kind of um, fund, really. Like there's 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 great skill in um, in managing money in any way you choose to do it but I see that as more of a black box where I don't know what exactly they're going to do um, I don't know whether they're going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed one morning or how their team works together or whether they're going to change plan halfway through or come up with better ideas and just change their strategies so the fact that from our perspective we can we can be clear about that and then show a back test and um, you know, we can we can have some at least scientific merit to um, to why we've chosen a particular strategy because we've um, we've actually uh, we've actually applied those rules on data in, in many different ways, and um, you know we've got we've we've had it validated the best way that we can. I mean, the other thing is that that. Technology just gives us tools that we'd be mad not to use. I mean, the machines can process vastly more data and make more decisions than, and trade more strategies than, than yeah. I could as a portfolio manager on my own. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot more heavy lifting that, that can be done. Um, and, you know, for example, in, 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 in trade, you've got a cat there, Rich. I've got a cat there who's uh, getting a, a bit hungry. Jumping up on the going. desk soon. I'm um, going to try and remove the cat now. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's, uh, you know, the fact that you can trade all, all of those non-correlated systems. So you, you can you can diversify over markets and timeframes and geographies and, and create, create some really incredibly consistent return profiles that uh, you just wouldn't have the bandwidth to do any other way. So... I think um, with a, a bit of an education, which hopefully this podcast could uh, could help with, then um, yeah, I think that uh, we can raise the profile of this kind of investing and the amount of diversification that, that can be done with it, which as has been said, is really the only uh, free lunch in the market, right, is that diversification. So there's that's something that we've really, um, we can, we can specialize in so i do think a small allocation to this makes it makes a lot a lot of sense particularly when um we we're in an uncertain time we're in an inflationary period now we're in regime shift things are are, are at, things are changing so uh, when there's uncertain times ahead you want to be less predictive and less confident in um, your predictive power i think and and rest more in your non-predictive strategies, um, and especially those that that are designed to to you know attempt to make profit in in crises as well, so that you've got not just a fighting chance, but you could really come out on top um, when when there are sort of dramatic shifts or sell-offs and. And that kind of thing so yeah. as for what should people be asking their managers they should be asking them those questions like well how do you know this works yeah, yeah. um yeah. you just couldn't even ask that question for most uh uh usually so 
I think that uh, with a bit of education, we'll see the uh, the continued uptake of this kind of investing. Gotcha, Simon. All right. Well, I, I think I put you through the hoops with a number of the deep questions, but so mm -hmm. now it gets to the easier part. This is where we do some quick fire questions and see okay. how you go. So, uh, first one: personal habits that you think have contributed to your success, your biggest strengths. I think for me it's been persistence. That's just the the reality of uh, of how long I've put into into it and um, how I've continued on with it, even though there have been so many um, just throwing things at the cat. All right, that's <laughs> the cat's welcome on the show, Rich. Probably break the YouTube audience will love it. Um, uh, cat videos. That that that's where we'll go. If, <laughs> If all of this doesn't go well, we've got a backup plan. I've got a dysfunctional household. Lots of dogs, lots of cats. <laughs> it's a menagerie. Uh, so, yeah, I've, um, I've nearly given up many times. So it's been a long-term um, long endeavour where I've just sort of persisted with it. I think marrying the art with the science is, um, is valuable. So, so not only just is it... Is it good to invest in learning to code and so on but listening to others um, learning from the experts uh, reading as much as you can but the podcasts that are already out there are, are, are fantastic they've been a great learning curve yeah. a, a, a thing to learn from so yeah I think for me it's the the, the discipline and the um, and and persistence and, and so if you could give one piece of advice to a, a, a youthful investor who's sort of entering the market for the first time, what would that be? Start a cafe. <laughs> I, I hear it's, this lack of confidence. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a tough road, I think. And, um, you know, you could get lucky, but it took me a long time. And um, you, you, you've really carved out your work for you because you're competing. You, you, have you ever heard it said you need to start trading? It's not like there's a, um, a training ground, right? You're immediately competing in the market with <laughs> thrown into the deep pool. all of the best. So yeah. it's really very arrogant of us to think that that's going to be easy. Yeah. Um, so Except you, that you're going to be fish food for the first few years of your life. Yes, I think so, right? And then you've got... <laughs> Till you learn what the what the sharks are doing, um, and you and, and take it from there. But in all seriousness, I would say um, for a start, take a quantitative approach. Uh, learn about the software and the data, and and just start with some simple um, systems. And from there, I think that's a really good platform to work out the the how the markets work from a from a much more academic and scientific way than than paying some uh, paying someone for a uh, a flashy trading course because the YouTube ad had him in a green Lambo. Uh, tell me, as far as things like computer programming, which way is the best way to go on the systematic path? Is there any preference like Python, that sort of thing? Um, I think I think Python. I think Python's probably the way to go to get a good overall um, uh, coding skill set that that's going to be applicable to a lot of different things that you do, and it's fairly easy to pick up. Uh, not that I'm a, a coder really, but um, I think that 
that's really the way to go unless you really are so if you're not if you're not already studying uh, computer science and you're not learning c and c plus plus and whatever uh i think i think java is a fantastic starting point yeah. okay so look i can hear from what we have discussed that you're a fairly humble person so let's talk about humility as a final question so um how how humble do you have to be um, in trading these markets? How important is that? Yeah, I think it's very important to be honest. If you if you if you are humble enough at the outset, and and um, yeah, like I said, I, I I thought I could beat the market for for many years. I mean, not just beat the market. I thought I was going to make a good couple of hundred percent a year consistently <laughs> without any down days. Uh, especially when I was back working at the SFE, watching the charts and, and watching what other people were doing. But um, I think there'd be some a really valuable starting point that if, you're, um, if your expectations are tempered, you'll waste less time if you're not shooting for the moon and go in and do something that's consistent and basic and simple and then keep building on that. That's a win. If you got that, that's that's a win. You'll you'll slash your your time to success. I think. Yeah. No, definitely. So look, that that about wraps it up for me. Is there anything I've missed that you'd like to discuss? Oh, I think um, I think we're good, uh, Rich. Yeah, I've um, probably uh, talked too much anyway. So. No, I'm I happy with that. Very enlightening. I, I see your approach now and your philosophy. It gives me a lot of ammunition in our coming debates. So yes. that, that's great. So look, what I'll do, Simon, uh, is I'm handing it back to you um, and saying, um, you know, goodbye from me for you to take on. Um, and uh, yeah, you close the show. All right, shall do. Well, really, that's it then, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thanks to Rich. And if you want to be in touch, of course, just jump on our website thealgorithmicadvantage.com and we'll see you on the next one. We should remind you that the conversations on this show are informal and for entertainment purposes only. Certainly any general advice you may hear is obviously not specific to your needs, goals or objectives. So nothing discussed on the show should be considered as investment advice. If you want that, you'll need to actually do your own research and speak with your financial advisor. Remember, trading can be extremely risky and past performance is not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe or leave us a review. And if you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Bye for now.